0: You're listening to Talking Tricks, the home of amazing stories from magic, circus, variety and comedy performers. It is approaching 12.30. Well, it's gone 12.30 now. <laughs> What's the time? Well, they don't know the time. Just they
1: don't know the time. How would you know the time? They're not gonna go. Oh, hi. I have to check the time. It's twelve thirty. They lied. Liars. Technically, it wasn't. Tw- it was twelve thirty. But then someone interrupted our ten,
0: and you should keep this. This is just ridiculous. I just love the fact that you
1: were worried about the facts.
0: I know. It's like I'm a proper journalist. I wasn't worried about the facts. Ed's worried about the facts. I can give it. A- Ed <laughs> K. <then> K. <laughs> I couldn't care. It is we just... dropping our first names. We've had this conversation before. You're too far away to talk. Basically,
1: audience. it's not 12.30. It was 12.30. But it possibly is past 12.30. It... Hey, Abel, who's
0: that man talking? Snorting. <laughs> <laughs> why, why, why has he got a white cane At a dog with <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's funny. Sorry. <clears throat> it is has just gone. 12.30 in the a.m. <laughs> on Sunday morning, actually, now that I look at it, my watch is stopped. <laughs> Jerk. It's actually, well, that was 12.31, so you were right before.
1: He was right before. It was technically approaching. Now <laughs> now it's passed because of the banter.
0: So he was factually correct. There's banter all over the place. Cade's <laughs> watch must have stopped 12 it's hours. It's 12.31. <laughs> It is 12.31 on Sunday morning a.m. It's actually a Casio. Kendall Calling Festival and we are sat in a yurt (laughs) and sat next to me is Kieran Lefebvre. He joins us on Talking Tricks Now. Now to kick us off Kieran, before we get into your life, your career, what we've been doing here at Kendall Calling. We've been through a moment <laughs> here, one of my favourite moments of all time, walking back from performing with the beautiful Magicians Club and Kieran's glasses fell off his face <laughs> and fell into the mud. I wish we'd filmed it. And then Ed Kane had to... Just Kane. Just Kane. Had to carry you... Until we founded a food vendor that could help. Kieran, how was that experience for you? Well,
1: I can't see around my glasses very well. So it literally, it was funny because I literally couldn't see, but I also kept falling over. I got covered in mud, so it was fun. I think, what well, my favourite bit was when they actually cleaned my glasses and the guy accused me of being fake glasses. He went, are these even real? I'm like,
0: yeah, I can't see. I'll buy a beef burger. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, did you? Were you hungry when you bought that cheeseburger, or did you buy it just because they cleaned the glasses? Yeah, I bought it because they cleaned the glasses. <laughs> was it? Was it good cheeseburger?
1: Not really. No, <laughs> no, no, it was. It was
0: fine. I, I, I just feel bad slandering off cheeseburger. They were very nice people, but it, it, it wasn't a very good cheeseburger. Well, we won't name and shame that particular food vendor here at Kendall Colling. Losing glasses aside, what have you been up to uh, over the past few days here in Kendall? Talk to us about the shows you've been performing, kind of the people you've met and, and what's been going on here. So we've
1: been at the uh, Beautiful Magic Club run by Sam Hurst. and Missy, his wife, Missy. And it's been, yeah, it's been really fun. We've just been doing shows. I don't sound very enthusiastic. I was like, it's been real fun. I've had a great <laughs> Time. No, it's been fun. And then uh, I worked with um, this really great guy called Ed and this other guy, I can't remember the name of. They, <laughs> they look similar. <laughs> the other guy I call him. No, I've been working with Lawrence and uh, just a brilliant team of people and Wes is my hero because
0: he stepped in today and he was just brilliant and talk us through the kind of tricks that you've been performing you know in, in your live stage show here at, at the festival because you've done a lot of weird
1: stuff basically as well as being a magician I am one of seven known regurgitators so my stage act today was my regurgitation act and it went really well and the guy who had the rubber gloves that checked my mouth was absolutely brilliant and we all chanted his name Charlie and it was really good fun and then on top of that I I got to do some magic uh, in the tent today, and that was really good. You know, it was what was really nice about that experience is everyone who wanted to see it came up and asked me to um, to perform it. I didn't have to go anywhere. It was just like, oh, could you come to us next? It was really nice. I wish all close-up gigs would be that nice, but it was. It was really nice, and, uh, and then a great show, and it was such great energy tonight Where everyone. Uh, you boys were amazing. Everyone was amazing. It was just a really good show
0: yeah it was great it, it was, was
1: great it was more than great it was a, it, he's just being very modest it was just an electric
0: atmosphere it was just it was just like the roar of the crowd. it was just amazing it felt really great. Yeah, really lovely crowd here. Um, I want to talk about magic, your magic, everything you've invented, the kind of stuff you do uh, close up and gigging but we've got to talk about this regurgitation act. Uh, It's a question that people were stopping us on the (laughs) way back to this (laughs) year to to ask you and you know it's a question I'm sure you hear all the time. how do you learn to do this? Are you just a naughty child that's just swallowing things? Um tell us how how do you learn to become a regurgitator? You know I really wish I had like something really interesting to say when people ask me that. Basically,
1: I just figured it out when I was a kid when I was about 7 and I used to entertain my brother and his friends and I basically developed a bit of an act. I didn't even know regurgitators were a thing. I I had an act by the time I was like you know just doing it for friends so I had a bit and then uh, when I got into magic I I used it a bit later on for switches and things and then lately later developed into an act and then everyone was a bit like that's weird and then David Blaner came along and made it popular and then suddenly everyone wanted to book me so it was great (laughs) like like, uh, I'm I'm probably a lot cheaper than he is so um, uh, but you know I was also very fortunate along the way I've met Stevie Starr and uh, he was a really lovely man and he was really nice to me and um, you know gave me his blessing to do it and just wish me the best of luck so that was it's been uh, he's the only other regurgitate i've ever met so again I i've gone off for tangent again i don't even know what the question was like i i, I it was like how did you discover it and now we're on to about how stevie Star's great i do this a lot by the way so buckle up for another hour <laughs> We're going on a little ride of tangents.
0: <laughs> well, that's what you think. That ends this episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're <With Kieran Lefebvre>. here <laughs> Uh, I'm going to bed now. I'm sorry. That's all I'm doing. I uh, hear by uh, you know for, for statistics, all of these should last at least thirty to forty thirty to forty minutes. But screw you, iTunes. Uh, that's seven minutes. The dress is watch. I'm
1: going to it's, bed. It's actually six minutes. Ed, six minutes in, um, and we haven't answered any questions yet. Scooby Doo, you're doing very well.
0: Thanks. Um, apart from Stevie Starr. Then, yeah. what can you tell us about the other five regurgitators in all over the world? I was world going to area? say six, but uh, <laughs> well, there's one. Yeah. He lost his glasses in mud and <laughs> ate a burger. He didn't like <laughs>
1: the other day we said And then um, uh, my favourite is Winston because he's just incredible. His um, control is just wow. I would love to meet him and then there's Dixon the Pong who's just a beast I mean he can drink six liters of water and he he has the world record I beat it once by a second but and I nearly got the Guinness World Record then it turned out when we registered the the record he had actually beaten it a year before by quite a lot and they just forgot to update it so I've been working towards beating it beat it cheered and then found out the next day that I hadn't beaten it It it's quite a this constraint so I held it for a day, but not really, I never held it. But in my head I did. Um And then there's a guy uh, called Al I, I don't know much about him, and uh, obviously it's Stevie Starr, and there's a Ukrainian guy as well.
0: With a unpronounceable name, I'm sure. I
1: don't actually know his name, I just know he's Ukrainian, and he works in Finland a lot, and I've tried to track him down. I just know there's a guy who's from Ukraine, who does it, and that's it, no one ever says his name. they say, oh, he's a Ukrainian guy, yeah, but what's his name? And they're like, he's from the Ukraine, so he's Ukrainian guy I can't I've even looked
0: Ukrainian water supply, Nothing comes up It must be Yuri I'm sure It's and- Andrei Shevchenko he Yes edits, uh, AC Milan And Chelsea striker.
1: I, I don't know who it is But he spends a lot In, fin- uh, time in Finland That's how I know That's it <laughs> And that's that End of that Riverson story <laughs> <laughs> <And> then, <laughs>
0: That's the end of that twist. And that's how they died This is going to be A <laughs> long edit This one Is it It is when you keep (laughs) saying stuff and no one can hear you, you're too far away. People can hear me, I can redo my bit. so can I? Yeah, I suppose so. Um, Kieran, you've mentioned kind of, we've spoken about regurgitating, you mentioned water spouting, but for those that haven't seen uh, exactly what you do, kind of talk us through the process of basically swallowing all the water and bringing it back up again, that's essentially what happens, but kind of put a bit more of a sexier spin on it for <laughs> yeah. me. <though>. Well,
1: basically, <laughs> yeah, I, you know what's really funny? You, you say the word regurgitate and everyone just looks at you and goes, bah! and right now you're probably thinking, well, I've never watched that, but... I think it's it's more than that. I, I swallow coin, I swallow smoke, and I do other things as well, and bread. And it's more about the comedy with it, and I talk about going for airport security and getting checked, and all the things I do to mess with airport security, because it's fun, and drink the water. So, you know, it's storytelling with it, and just making it um, fun. And If you imagine that I drink probably about three and a half liters on stage of water, which is, it just gets madder and madder, and then I bring it up, but I don't just throw up. Uh, I project it into a fountain and then uh, I aim it quite high and it lands all in a a pool, and I hold it for about 25-30 seconds at some points. So the, in my shows I tend to just go to 15 because I think after that it just becomes harder for me to do it, and, it, it yeah, so, and I
0: think 15 is enough it, it does look quite mad really so anyone that films it is going to go that's quite mad what I find amazing apart from the fact that you swallow loads of water keep it in your belly and then shoot it back out, and coins and bread and other stuff don't forget the and I, coins I, and bread I do other stuff
1: <laughs> yeah but we're on the
0: water now yeah but I do more than that I'm more than just some guy that drinks water you have to fast do you have to fast for the water or do you have to fast for any kind of regurgitating
1: more for the water more than anything but it, it, it does affect other regurgitating agitating but yeah the what the problem is is if I bring a coin back and it has something attached to it I can kind of wipe that off but in my mouth but the water I don't have a choice and now I've made it disgusting again. yeah so I fast for 24 hours and then afterwards I basically I live Ramadan for a day Can I say that that's probably but it left to
0: say <laughs> basically i fuck fa- you could say Ramadan, <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> if you say anything, you know offensive about it well, no i didn't know. i just i didn't
1: why would i say that um, no i basically lived that uh, that 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 for the day <laughs> every time i did the show. basically i just yeah 24 hours i fast and then at the end it gets a bit mental you, i've now i've had like a beef burger uh, f- lots of food and now i've got twinkies i've been eating basically if you imagine i eat nothing all day and then i pile on lots of food
0: what's your favorite thing like at the end of a a fast and you've done a big show what's your favorite thing to eat food (laughs) i don't know i don't have a specific thing i go, go i just hope i can get food i haven't
1: Uh, my rider now, that I have to have food afterwards because for many years I'd I'd, I'd do a show in another country and then nothing would be open. and I'd literally starve for about 30 hours.
0: And I still get fat, so I don't know how that worked. So you mentioned, um, obviously, starting with Gurgitating when you were very young. When did the magic uh, kick off for you?
1: Obviously, like anyone, I I had a bit of an interest as a kid. But mainly for me, my my magic journey began when I was 22. You know, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't really particularly like magic very much because the magic I had seen I guess it just wasn't very good and I, I, that sounds awful I've never ever really seen it on TV and I think I'm one of those people I like, I'd never, I, I guess i never experienced it, so when I went to this magic shop and this guy did some stuff, it was really good, but it didn't resonate with me and then he did this one trick called um, Cartoon by Dan Harlem and he didn't even do it That was the I thought Jamie
0: thing. Raven invented that trick No, Dan Harlem <laughs>
1: interesting fact it's actually quite an old concept um, really a uh, really brilliant man magician called David harkey has a version uh, in his book uh, simply Harky. that's a that's a wonderful version uh, uh, that inspired me to create my uh, my own trick called my Bob plugging my effect there. Um, <clears throat> so I've always liked that idea but um, he didn't do it he actually just showed me a video of a penguin video doing it but I I don't know, something about that trick just resonated with me. I, I think I've always liked animation and cartoons, and I had to have it, so I, I basically put money down, went back the next week with no interesting magic just to get this trick. And before I knew it, I was stuck. You know, I'm not stuck, but I, I, I didn't know. I guess I seeing people react and smile and go, wow, was just such an addiction, you know what I mean? And then, um, so I started buying more magic and more magic and more magic and before I knew it I would spent two grand in a month like pretty much all the savings I had has gone on magic and probably 90% of it was rubbish but I used to carry a backpack when I went to bars just so I could have all my different decks oh I've just got to get my next deck <laughs> nothing weird I don't need a back oh, I don't know what I was thinking but I guess it's all a learning curve and um I think the best thing I bought from that was uh Daryl Encyclopedia of Card Magic because um, <clears throat> I actually didn't know any card tricks. I just basically just studied the encyclopedia. So I could do all these moves, but I didn't actually, <laughs> I learned the moves, but I didn't actually know any tricks. So um, and then obviously I started collecting some magic. So I used to watch the encyclopedia of card magic all the time, which I just, I still adore. And that's I, I a really obscure card music that no one ever uses, um, which I still use now. So, um, you know, obviously Daryl was a great teacher as well, bless him. Um, Unfortunately, his big loss to the magic community but you know I always loved watching his videos and Jay Sankey's well obviously after Daryl I discovered Jay Sankey and obviously that was mind-blowing when you're new to magic and this was at a time when he was doing some really
0: different things as well you know um, and they were just really great DVDs. So obviously you mentioned you're 22 and you've kind of taken up magic it's, and obviously this is your career now. Yeah, uh, I'm keen to know what were you doing at that point, or what were the what was the aim of a career to go into? Were you kind of working, or were you looking to kind of go down another route? And then, and then the magic happened. I actually didn't know where I was going at the time, so I was in the navy, believe it or not, for five years. D uh,
1: Oh wow. D2- oh, well, actually I better not do my service number on this because someone can write it down <laughs> but the go D249 no, if you're in the Navy you know that you'll know that's old because I don't even have those service numbers um, yeah it's in the Navy um, and I left and I had some savings and I blew it all on magic um, and yeah I, I literally didn't know where I was going I, I'd only been out of the Navy a week when I discovered the magic shop um, and then I didn't really know where I was going with it all and I just kind of, I don't know, I just, I just fell in love with it. You know, I almost feel like it was meant to be. And the thing is, the only reason I went to the magic shop in the first place is because my friend David, he's super shy, giant, six foot five, giant guy, big bill, but really quiet. Didn't want to go in on his own. I didn't even want to go. That's the funny thing. I only went to help my friend out. And, for the first hour, we kind of it was just a bit awkward because no one talks to you in a magic shop, so I had to do the talking. And then I they were trying to impress me, and I was just that awkward person that was like, yeah, you know, cool, cool, cool. And then they showed us a random video that came in, and it was a cartoon. And that's and that that was it. David spent a hundred pound. I spent um, twelve pound buying the deck that they didn't have, and came back a week later for it. And I nearly didn't go back for it, and I, I'm glad I did because it was life changing. Really, it's funny, isn't it? How I didn't really plan to become a magician. And I didn't necessarily have much interest in it. And now it's, I couldn't imagine my life without it. It's weird, isn't it? How that happens.
0: What was the shop? Uh, so
1: it's called uh, Magic For You To See. And it was the tiniest shop in the town called Ainsdale. And <clears throat> I, when I say tiny, I mean tiny, like literally, like a cubicle, maybe twi- two cubicles of the toilets here tiny it it, and it had loads of stuff and this was the time of the packet trick so it had hundreds of packet tricks they made up in all different variations that was a big thing back then it was small and it always felt great but it was amazing I think the worst thing that ever happened to the shop when they when they moved to a bigger premise it didn't last very long after that about a year and a half because it just wasn't making the money when when it was a tiny shop by school um, it was 50 pounds I think he paid a, a week it was a great idea, but as soon as he expanded, it just didn't work. I want to put a
0: sort of time frame on things here, but um, it's a kind of a two-pronged question, mm. really. What year are we talking about? This year, once you've left the navy, you've seen cartoon for the first time and bought it, and also, what were kind of some of your memories of the navy? Kind of, how did you find find those years that you that you were doing that? I think the navy was one of those things I'd, I joined because I wanted to travel the world, and ironically, I went
1: to Porto and Gibraltar. That was it. I've been a magician now for a while, and um, i trying to think how long, and I've actually travelled the world a lot. I mean, I've been very fortunate, very lucky, but I have travelled an awful lot. And <laughs> I chose a job thinking I was going to travel, and then I chose a job I fell in love with, and I ended up travelling, so it's it's funny how that worked out. Maybe it was alright. I wasn't right for it, to be honest. I wasn't the right type of person, I was too, too myself. But, you know, people like that. But really, when you're in a group where you need to blend in, I didn't, I kind of stood out and I wasn't meant to. I was just, I got myself into calamities all the time. But yeah, it, 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 Basically, it, if you can imagine any funny sitcom where someone shouldn't be in the Navy, and everything that could go wrong, that was me. I always got myself in trouble. I always seemed to get out of it because people found me funny. So it was alright. What year is it? What year did you leave? I don't know, I'm trying to remember. It's such a long time ago. How old are you now? Well, I'm just working that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 36, I left when I was 20, uh, 22. You do the math.
0: Course, so it's 14 years ago. But yeah, so that's how long I've been doing magic so then. 2005. I'm glad you know. <laughs> I love oh. the fact that you've just been like, you do the math, whereas a few hours ago, you, <laughs> <laughs> you just got ATP off your s- sweets bill <laughs> by doing a maths trick. Yeah, but I thought that was quite ironic if I let you do it, because <laughs> they
1: don't know that. And I think it's really funny that they don't know I could do I, 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 I I'm just having fun with them. I like messing with people. Yeah, I was showing off because he was trying to do the adding up, and I added up for him, and he said, what did he say? He went, oh, you show off a maths do something else joking so I, I basically told him what day he was born using mathematics and it freaked him out he's like oh you can have 80p
0: off thank you <laughs> it's nice to know that what you did which is pretty amazing he told you the year he was born yeah and you told him the day yeah the year of the month and stuff so but it's an old concept it's yeah. it's it's easy to grow in calendar
1: and you know there's lots of different versions out there uh, Arthur Benjamin obviously was inspiration for my version uh, so it's it's really good it's not the most amazing magic trick but it's a really nice way of engaging people and if you want to get 80p off in the sweet shop <laughs> it's a winner
0: <laughs> I know that fact it's proven <laughs> how did you build a career then you know you've left you've left the navy you've learned you've learned one trick you've, you've got a few books you've kind of learned a few more things you, you've kind of become engrossed with magic where were some of the places that you first started performing professionally I just went to
1: the bars, that's it. I just went to a bar.
0: I literally, I was at that time, because obviously it was an interesting
1: time for me because my parents moved away. I didn't really have much money. I'd go out with no money. I couldn't afford to buy a drink, and I'd come back with a bit of money, and I'd have a great time. I just literally just did my magic. I'd walk into a restaurant and so I can't afford to buy anything, but I'm actually a magician, do some tricks so and I'd be happy to do some magic for some tables. Not, I won't ask for money, just a meal would be cool, and I would do stuff like that, and I'd literally feed myself from performing, and I, I got a really good reputation of the town I was living in, so I bought, It's a small town, so people were always happy to see me, and I, I literally lived a very nice existence, because I never really had any money, but I never went well out, so I always had a drink, and I always had food, so it's such a great skill magic. Beyond, you know, Obviously, it's nice to get money, but it's also nice that if you, you are struggling, and you do have a skill, you can trade it for stuff. And that's kind of how I would lived my life for years. I worked a little bit, I used to wash dishes at the weekends and I was the worst dishwasher they ever had. He would tell me the only reason he had me because he found me hilarious and he liked my magic. That was it. I think they, they probably, he, he, he fired me twice and then rehired me back because he just, he, you know, he found me hilarious, but I was terrible. I was not a good dishwasher. So I was doing that and I wasn't really figuring out what I was gonna do. And then I met Rocco Solano uh, because in Southport, the IBN happened, yes. and he came to town. I stood outside getting autographs. It was also a really interesting experience. I mean, I don't, I'm not gonna speak ill of anyone, but you have to understand, and I do understand I, I, images, things, and you are talking to a guy that had super long hair, uh, I was living in the squat at the time, and all my clothes had a rip in the same place because I was the only person that could fit through the fire escape to open the door, and every time my clothes would catch. So I had all these holes and T-shirts, and yeah, so I, I, I didn't look great. But still, I was always very nice, and I, I met Bill Malone, and he was really nice, and he said if uh, if I had caught him early, he would have got me into his show for free, so that was nice. But I met this other magician that I bought, I um, spent £35 on his videotape, and I was so looking forward to meeting him and I went up to him and I just said, you're a huge inspiration, Uh, I love your videotape, Um, you're so good, I'm learning your stuff at the moment. And he turned around and said, I don't appreciate people stealing my material and pirating it. He just presumed that I didn't pay for it. And I said, oh no, I paid. And then he just basically told me to go away. So that was a bit hard. And then after, so sitting on this table, I saw this American guy I'd seen on video a few times called Rocco Solano. And I went over and had a nice chat with him and he was just amazing and I mean amazing to the point where um, he started teaching me stuff and then he took me to this guy made me perform this thing he just taught me and it failed but after I left him I went on a, a bus to go see my friend and I did the trick on my friend and it went really well and I kept doing it and I bumped into him again randomly and he said if you wanna carry my bags around for me and help me out, we'll sort you out and so I went and did that and he bought me some new clothes and he gave me hundreds of pounds of things and then he taught me to sleep so when i sleeve in my magic and i produce the ice and the low pop, the reason i sleep is because Rocco solano taught me and um he just was a really nice man he was very life-changing for me but an interesting thing happened is we were having a meal the same magician who i spoken to walked up to him and said oh david williams just, just showed me the best uh kings the aces routine you ever see and Rocco turns around to him. And, and I, I can understand the guy. He goes, do you have any DVDs? And he goes, yeah. He went, how much are they? He said, 25. Oh, he went, I've got 20 on me, but it's for the kids. So he was trying to, because I told him, what a big fan of this particular person I was. I didn't tell him about what happened. And he, he said, I've got 20. Can you let me have five and I'll sort you out later? And he said, no. And I remember Rocco telling him to basically get lost. And it was really, and, and I always remember this person looking at me and goes, what's your name? I went, because oh, that, my name's Kieran Johnson. I went, Kieran Johnson, and he went, oh, I remember that. Cue back about eight years later at the session. He turns around to me. He goes, I absolutely adore your work. He said, You're amazing. You're so innovative. I said, How do you come up with your ideas? Said, so, so we not made a big deal of meeting me. So I've always wanted to meet you. And I'm like, We met eight years ago. You said you'd never forget. I never said that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking there was meant to be a punchline there, but it was life changing meeting him. I told him about this magic bar opened and he said i should try and get a job there so i did I, tried, I did everything to get a job there and i got a job there a couple of months later i met my wife and things went really well and what's really amazing what the most amazing thing is is i kept in touch with him and i've now worked with him in america uh, I, i've been his opening act in asia a couple of times and it's like it's amazing that you're like you know you meet this random
0: guy and then um you end up playing these stages with them you mentioned conventions you performed at a uh pretty mega convention, invite only, uh, the 4Fs, how, how was that for you? Yeah, it was I mean, really. that was pretty amazing. Um, I, I actually not
1: only did I perform at 4F, but I actually represented British Magic, because uh, I was in the British close-up against the, uh, uh, they had Asian close-up, and Italian and Canadian. It's a bit unfair, really, because the Asian um, close-up was all of Japan, Korea, China—literally the best of the best. So their show was amazing, but our show was really good as well. Yeah, you know what? It was, it's such a privilege to be invited there. I've never shook so hard on stage in my entire life. When you're just looking out and you're just going, "It's far Farquhar at the front. Oh my god! Is that? Is that? Oh my! And you're just like. And you just pause because you're just seeing stars and famous magicians. And you just go and go, and everyone's doing, and and like performers are doing all different stuff. But I like a brilliant card magic, a lot of coin magic, a lot of three bits cube, and I come out with polos and I swallow them. I <laughs> <laughs> am like, it's a little bit different.
0: <laughs> the difference always good at those, kind of.
1: Uh, it got me invited to a lot of really interesting parties at the four F, because everyone wanted to meet me. Um, and I think also one of the nice things is I, I I offered to teach any tricks I I did, so I often spent. Uh, time sharing them how to make things so that was really nice i know i've never really been into the whole elite thing because you know i never really get the point of it but i have to admit it was pretty amazing i got to make friends with Carl hein i've always been a huge fan of his and yeah just lots of other great magicians and i got to meet sean farquhar there and he's such a nice man and he just gave me a quote from my thing and he i've become friends with him and i've met him on the road a few times at different things now but yeah, it's just um, such a huge honour to be part of, you know, well, pretty much best magicians in the world were there. So it was humbling, I think, to be there, because I wouldn't say I was the greatest sleight hand artist in the world. So you know, to be with those guys, but I guess I was there because of the inventing. I guess I felt very privileged to be there. How many years have you been, or is it just the one? You t- meant to. <laughs> Technically, you're meant to go three times, yeah. and if you don't go for three years, they strike you off and you have to start again. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been, but they're so keen for me to go. I think I'm going to be okay. Every year they're like, "Come back, come back," and like, "Why haven't you come back yet?" So, I think I'm going to be okay. I think, um, I think they say these things, but they're actually really keen for you to be, be there because they just like you being part of it, and I think. Um, because I'm a little bit different, it does help me in some way.
0: You mentioned you started working in a magic bar. Which bar was that? I worked at Illusions,
1: and I was there at the beginning. Technically, I was the second magician, because the first one didn't work out with them, but I was the second magician there. And I did two years there, and that, and that was an interesting place. I mean, that was an education and the heart. Pretty much you fail every day to figure it out. Yeah, it was really good. It was uh, really tough, but it was a good time, really. I wrote some of my really some of my first ideas there really and then from there i was just able to get work in restaurants uh, table hopping at one point i had seven residencies uh, it was just ridiculous it was too much really at the time i was burning out really quick within a year of doing that i just started to hate magic and i started to i wasn't getting this much work because it was clear i wasn't enjoying it so i took a step back and i just kept the ones i liked doing and then um eventually i just I stopped doing residencies really, and just started focusing on doing better gigs. They just, it all just. I guess it's like any job. You progress, don't you? Um, and you meet more people. You do different things, and you know you just figure out where to go.
0: I know we have magicians of all sorts of levels that listen to this. Young people that are kind of just getting into magic very experienced magicians, kind of people that have been maybe working for years or whatever, but I know lots of people will be interested to hear from someone that had seven residencies how to go about getting one and kind of what's the secret kind of to it. To be honest, people ask me that like back then and I'm just, my question is, I didn't do anything.
1: They I was approached. Mm. So I'd, every venue I got a residency in, I never asked. I, w- I, I never went for it. They basically were in a the, they saw but ironically, it would be I would be at a residency and then I would get the next residency from that person being in there. And I think back at those times, I, I've, I've always been very much about my personality and chat, and I, that's a big thing for me. I'd rather talk to people than do magic. I think I just would. T- make people laugh and I showed them some cool tricks. And we... I think one of the things I always focus on is, it's not about just the magic. When I finish, I'm normally the friend. So normally at the end of it, I guess you saw me perform today when I was doing close up, you'll notice that everyone hugged me. I don't on purposely do it. it, just naturally, I think they just feel like they, <laughs> maybe it's just, they just survived a horrible experience and they've come from the other side and they go, I just need you to argue me to let me know I'm okay. But the people just naturally do that, I guess it just, and I think that's how I got it. I would be lying and telling you, go and do these things because, you know, I can tell you advice other people gave me, but I got it just from being me. In time, uh, you know, the reason I stopped doing them is because... I dropped a few of them because I wasn't spending any time with my wife or girlfriend, she was my girlfriend at the time, but I wasn't at home at all. I was too, too busy working. And the other, you know, unfortunately, over time, restaurants closed down and things move on, and, you know, and I moved away as well. So um, at one point, my last residency, was I was, was travelling like an hour and a half every week just to get to it. <laughs> Did Byzantium, which Darren Brown had, I had that for five years I did another one which I held for eight years did them for a long time a lot of these places residencies are really I met a lot of TV people at residencies there's always you know surprising who you meet in Pizza Express and places like that for things you wouldn't think you would you wouldn't think you would meet a TV per executive in Pizza Express, but you can. So in, you're probably more likely to meet someone there
0: than in a corporate gig or a celebrity gig. Just because you mentioned your wife a minute ago, what does she do? And also, how does she, having a professional magician that's travelling the world for a husband? Oh but So my wife's a data
1: analyst. Uh, she, she's band seven. Uh, she looks like she might be band eight. Uh, anyone <laughs> that might know that. She keeps getting promoted but hates it. She loves her job. She's really good at it. She's a great person, actually. I, I have to say that, but there uh, no, she is. With the travelling, I think... I think she'd rather I did what I do now than what I did when we first met. I was working so hard, but I wasn't really making much money. So, you know, residencies they pay okay, but it was all right. You know, you think, the problem is is you, I don't drive, so I was getting a lot of taxis and travelling, and I was just always on the road. Where at least when I travel now, I'm in a situation where I might go away for a week to America or. I'm, and then come back and then i'll be home for a month you know so i i am going away on longer trips but i'm also i'm a lot more present than i was so you know she's so supportive like you know i, I was like trying to sweat out americans like should i go away for three weeks four weeks and she's like you take your time you know i'm like because uh, we just had a baby so she's on my leave. she's like oh, we won't be able to do this when they'll go back to work so she is really supportive of my career and I think that's the interesting thing when you meet someone. The thing is, we all do magic to our wives and girlfriends and drive them insane. It's just, I don't know why we do it, but we do. We're like, let me just try this trick. Have you done it before? No. It's not exactly a good sounding board, is it? Because at the end of it, they just get to know your style. But I don't even know where I'm going with this. I like her. I love my wife. I don't know. I don't don't even know what I'm saying. I've done the ramble thing where I just
0: don't know what I'm saying. I'm just like, what was he even talking about? I do this all the time. I like my wife because she's nice. (laughs) Yes. I do love her. A lot of people will know you, Kieran, then, for for tricks that you have invented and released on the market. Yeah. Was that kind of always an aspiration of yours, or did you see it as... Oh hang on here's a here's a, a revenue stream or was it just a case of you've discovered something really cool and someone's like, put it out, you know? What what led to you kind of starting to, to market your own ideas? It wasn't really a plan. I mean, I think in the back of their head, everyone wants to invent a trick,
1: you know, and get something out. Because it seems cool, right? You know, get a bit of recognition and obviously it brings money. The thing about magic is there isn't a lot of money in magic. I mean, there's this delusion that you can make lots of money, but unless you get a real big hit, you know, it's hard. That's why I guess some magicians pump out magic all the time because it's keeping you know the income coming it wasn't really a plan i, I guess i i hope to do something i was very fortunate uh, i discovered a book called the magic and which just changed my life i didn't realize that someone like him could exist sometimes some of my magic moves are very unorthodox. I almost like channeling Max Malini rather than being an amazing sleight of hand. Sometimes I will use my sleight of hand and and work really hard with it. And some other times I just like to, I like the idea that this man would, you know, he would make something vanish by distracting them but he just secretly just drink the drink when he, he, he'd he used the offbeat. It's like today I asked a guy to um, think of a card and while he was doing something else I was unsipping my pants in the bar, dropped my pants down took the car, didn't palm it, just placed it there, pulled my pants back up and sipped them all up in front of him. And you, Ed, and uh, you both could see that. There's no secret. But he's so distracted because he's doing the job for me, he doesn't even notice. That's why I like Max Malini, because he would say he could do those things and you would never believe him. But really, once you start to understand how beats and timing go, he was just, he's amazing. And then obviously his work on ice was brilliantly i mean it was never published i don't personally believe that the method published in the book is the correct method only because i know from him he was a very meticulous man and i just don't believe he would do that method
0: i think he had a better method but obviously we'll never know so obviously Milini, a big inspiration for you and a lot of people will know you for, for your ice routine that you that you released on the market kind of talk to me a little bit about the developmental stages of that
1: uh, so when i um discovered the, the book and the ice stuff, I started thinking, well, I want to produce the block of ice from a hat. So uh, the first method started uh, off from of my hat. The problem is I didn't really have a method, a way of stopping the ice from melting. And I tried lots of different ways and I eventually uh, found a way to slow the ice down. And that was the big thing. And then I realised that actually, you know, um, producing the ice from fire, just, I don't know, there was just something I thought I was just messing around with it with a, and my friend saw it and he loved it and he said you should do it like that all the time and that just became a thing really and it went from a big block of ice to a, a decent size but something I could sleeve and it became a thing really. I thought it was really good and everyone was freaking out who saw it. I tried to market it and I went I went to a, quite a lot of magic shops. In fact, one magic shop phoned me up and said no one would ever buy this, you should give up. Which is quite funny, really.
0: Which shot was that, or do you not want, to say, want to say? I don't want to say.
1: Sometimes I'm not always very good at putting myself across, and I think that was the problem. So I think that it was me, really. And Also, I just think people just, when they think of ice in way of slowing it down, they just thought, oh, the ice will melt. So eventually, Russ Stevens said he'd film it, but only because Mark <laughs> Bennett asked a favor for him. So he filmed it, and the filming went really well. Russ didn't like the way I performed because I was quite an erratic style. So he's like, that's the worst style of magic I've ever seen. He told me he wasn't going to bring it out at first. But Gary Jones, he, sh- he showed Gary Jones and Gary Jones said, Russ showed me this and said, ah, uh, oh, what do you think of this? And Gary just went, that's a hit. <laughs> he went, really? You think it's good? He went, that's a hit. And so Gary made reassured Russ. And yeah, it was a huge hit. Like, it's not often you smash your first trick out yeah, it, it put me on the map straight away. It did really well, and my, me and my wife made all the gimmicks, so I know it did well because <laughs> we made them a lot. And then uh, after that, I did I did called Chaotic. I think my favorite bit of Blackpool that year when I did to the max was the dealer that told me that we'd never buy it. I may have jokingly said, "Oh, you know what? No, one will buy this. Where only sold this money?" And he just looked at me like, you know, it was quite nice. I remember Russ and I just laughed about it because you know, I, I but that's I guess you know with anything like. Uh, Harry Potter was turned down by seven people, you know, till someone believes in it. And I think that's, you know, I was always very grateful Rush for Rush giving me that opportunity to do it. And, and it was, um and that led me to do Chaotic, and then after Chaotic, I did Too Hot to Handle, and then, uh, you know, some um, I did my card to ice trick, which I love, I love my card to ice trick. And, and then I spent a long time just trying to seal the ice, which I eventually did. And now i'm obsessed with rubik's cube and i just did my Jata rubik's cubes and i even did a, a book on mathematics called trackenberg which everyone thinks is a magic square weirdly they go oh, that's your magic square I went, oh no it's a whole book
0: on mathematics it's just that's all they don't th- think it is because i've guessed the trailer just makes it look like a magic square some people might be familiar with some of those uh tricks some might what? be familiar with one or two if people will kind of want to find out all about them and this might be a really long answer <laughs> because it might be Different places for all, but where can people see this work uh, and buy it? The best value is my penguin lecture by far. If you just want to get a sense of who I am as a performer,
1: um, and then if you want more specific things, I, I work for Saturn Magic, so I have my own little page, which is quite nice. You know, I used to always look at magic shops and see that the artists had their own page and be jealous of that. So I was dead made up when I got my own page for a magic shop. It's, it's nice, you know. Go, Kieran Johnson's magic. <laughs> Which is confusing, because I'm also Kieran fever, so sorry to confuse you. If you want to get a sense of that, if you're interested in the ice, I do have a new ice version coming out soon. We just, uh, we spent the last two years working on a new fabric that can go in the oven. So the ice can go in the oven on 100 degrees for half an hour and it barely loses any volume and the hottest it's ever been is uh, 60 degrees and that was in 1929 i googled it <laughs> and that was in the sierra desert so you're going to be all right so basically if you want to carry blocks of ice on you for a while it does its job and it's super absorbent it does it's amazing it's like it, it can hold a hot and cold object so that's coming out soon i've got a plug that's called reborn yeah if you're just interested in looking at what i've done the penguin
0: lecture is probably the best place because it's got uh a lot of the magic for a fairly cheap price, I feel. How did you find the process of putting together that Penguin lecture? Or was that a lecture that you'd kind of done before and then you just took it to Penguin? Or did you, did you put that together specifically for, for that? I'd only lectured six times before I did Penguin. You can tell.
1: Everyone goes, he went all over the place. And then eventually got back to it. The thing is with Penguin, and what I worry about is I may be doing another one soon. I'm not meant to say that, but I may be... But anyway, (laughs) I won't confirm or deny those rumors. Don't tell Penguin I said it in case something goes wrong. And I guess one of the things I worry about when I go and do the second lecture is when I did that first one, I was at such a raw point in my creativity and I was all over the place as a crazy. Now I seem to be a bit more focused, but you always worry you go, have I lost? well i got the tricks are still good but you, when you're starting out you can no one's going to be disappointed because no one expects much but when you get a reputation you worry you're going to disappoint them you know and my book was well received but you know you i guess no it's going to be interesting i hope it goes well i'm sure people will enjoy it but it's always difficult when when you're trying to convey magic because magic is such a personal thing to each person and unfortunately as magicians and i'm as guilty as this as anyone and i apologize if you're not guilty of this i am guilty as we're kind of like junkies i am a junkie i buy lots of magic i buy books i absorb content i don't need to but i do i i stupidly learn new tricks i put them in my set because i i enjoy doing that i i, I was told by an established pro that you know once i've been doing it for 10 years i have my five tricks and i'll do the same five tricks that's not true I'm still doing new stuff in my shows. Um, I, I have a bar I work at called Slights in Bath, and I try all new material. I normally have about eight pieces every time I go there. Like I'm a machine, and I, and I work out what works and what doesn't work. And, and I don't know if that's always a healthy way, but I like learning as many styles of magic as I can. But I do feel that the magic I have been working on Recently, It's good, but it's not as maybe as groundbreaking as maybe my original stuff. It's I guess it feels a lot more professional in some ways. With my old stuff, I guess if you bought it, you had to figure it out because I I hadn't really figured it out. But with my new stuff, you don't really have to figure anything out. And I don't know if that's a little bit sad.
0: How does it feel releasing all of your babies, your tricks, your routines, your lectures on the market and knowing other magicians are are performing your routines? Is, Is that a solely positive thing or is there some sort of negative connotations with it i enjoy
1: it when people do my magic i find it hard to watch people do my magic sometimes because i guess when you write a piece of magic you write it because you had a personal reason i never set out to write a particular piece because i wanted to create a trick i wrote pieces because they meant something to me they were inspired by a moment like some of my pieces are written in in sad times and happy times through you know i wrote a piece recently when I was in the hospital, you know, my daughter was in ICU for a couple of weeks, and I was with my son, and I wrote a piece while I was there. And no one's ever gonna know that it was written during a very sad time. And then other pieces I wrote in, in her, you know happy times. So what's weird is when I see someone do a piece, and I know why I wrote it, and they, they never know that. And I guess people, magicians don't talk about that. You know, why did you write that piece? Because we are technically, obviously, we're songwriters, really, when you think about it. We write a song, we write a story, we write a pattern. Storytellers, But I always think of like music. And we, you know, we it's choreography, we work on the moves and the techniques. You know, there's a lot of similarities to songwriting. But the only difference I often hear is, a musician never talks about why he wrote that song. You know, go, oh yeah, I got this trick, I invented it. So a lot of my pieces are written for personal reasons. So it is weird seeing someone perform something that maybe you wrote because you were washing dishes and you were a of the can, so you thought it'd be funny to swap liquids, you know. They don't know that, they just do the trick. <laughs> it is funny how pieces are very personal to me. And I do enjoy seeing people perform my stuff. I used to get a bit jealous when I'd see people being more successful with my stuff. Because I, I have to admit, I do sometimes feel, and it's my own fault, you know, people are absolutely lovely to me, but I do sometimes feel like, um, like a mistress, the secret affair. Often, when I read reviews, and you should never read your own reviews, they'd talk about how brilliant the idea is, but they didn't like me. That, that can be hard, because I, I can understand that, because my style is so crazy and different, and I guess, you know, um, I've read some reviews go, well, I can't use that trick because I can't be him, and I'm like, well, no, you can still use the trick, you just have to figure out who you are. My favourite review is, I think his method is brilliant, he's a genius but I wish Gregory Wilson invented this because <laughs> I like watching him better. <laughs> I just think that's brilliant because he goes, he's brilliant, he's a genius, but I like Gregory Wilson. not Gregory Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. Oh, oh, my other one is For Too Hot to Handle, where the trick is you produce toast, an egg, and, and the can becomes tea. The guy went, I can't do this trick because to do this trick, you will need a can of Coke. An egg and toast. I'm like, did they not watch the video? Did they not watch it? It's on Penguin. It's hilarious to read.
0: Basically, I get one star for not actually inventing real magic. I mean, the problem is the internet is full of crazies. And they've all got a voice. And they're keyboard warriors. Oh, I love them, though. I do love them. I, lo- I think that's my favourite review. I- oh,
1: I got one that was, like, too scientific. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, okay. Nothing more. Just didn't like this was too scientific. I, 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 I guess it's fine.
0: Too precise. Too precise. Although oh,
1: no, I think it was too scientific, and you have to put effort into doing his magic tricks. Oh Why am I talking about bad reviews? It sounds. It sounds like I'm uh, bitter, doesn't it? I'm
0: not bitter. A little bit bitter, but. Uh, no. it, we all focus on the bad reviews and not the good ones. I don't know. How do we
1: even get to this situation where we're talking about reviews? It's like I've done podcasts before, and I'm normally like, oh, was a lot more charming than I expected, and now what we're talking about.
0: I think you might be really bitter. that That's what we do. We lure you to yurts in the middle of the night. Carry you to, to yurts in the middle of the night and, and force you to be bitter and angry. I just, I just really realised right now I just sound like a narcissist. I mean, I did ask you what the what the negative points were, to be fair, of releasing material.
1: I, I think I think it's always hard, isn't it? But then, on the bright side, you know when you meet people and they go, you changed my life, and you think, it's just a magic trick. But then I get upset, and I it, you know. And But, you know, you meet people, and they go, oh, you helped me develop a star. And I, I think it is nice. Um, I think the hard... it sounds, again, I just don't want to sound because... I think the hardest thing i found about... Inventing Magic Tricks was when I go to conventions. I love chatting to people. I found it's a lot more intense than I expected. <laughs> people are so warm and lovely. Like, you spend like an hour just trying to get through Blackpool. I like, I have a plan now. I put earphones on and just look down. <laughs> That's how I get through. Just going to the toilet is an hour job. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very grateful that everyone wants to chat to me and um, I, I love it. And I actually, to be honest, I'd be more upset if no one stopped me. But, um, Again, that is. Am I just sounding like, oh, I I don't know what I'm saying? (laughs) I and Kira never approach me. But if you don't approach me, I'll be really upset. (laughs) Basically, I don't want you to approach me. Look
0: at me, but don't talk. (laughs) But but please do approach me because I don't. I don't know what I want. How should someone approach you, Kira, when (laughs) they see you in public? You know
1: this is going to become a thing. I don't know. Just, just. Be lovely like everyone. Um, everyone is lovely. But to be honest, they won't recognise me now. I shaved all my hair off anyway. I'll be alright. That could be my disguise. I'll put my hat on. Duh, I'm Kieran. Take it off. I'm some bald guy.
0: Yeah, do You look, do you look a bit like Walter White. I, think. I
1: know. I get it all the time. Let me show you this. I did that stupid ageing thing because I never posted it because uh, I just didn't.
0: I this is world podcast world. gold. you just scrolling through your... God, you look exactly but, like Walter this, White. That, I aged myself. And I, I look like Walter White, don't Wilde, I? Walter
1: White. I'm yeah. you know my name. Actually, it's really complicated because I have many names. I am <laughs> Johnson currently female. Which one are you? <laughs> Why have you got two names? Oh, so when I got married, I decided to take my wife's name. She never asked me, but she was the last one in our family. And I said to her dad, I'm going to keep the name. And he wasn't that bothered by it. But they, they has been in their family for a long time since the 60- Well, for a long, long time. And uh, I just wanted to keep the name, really. Um, and my son's now got the name, so it's really good. Um, yeah, so I did that. I just didn't realize how complicated it was changing your name. Um, my favorite thing is when some kids contacted me, randomly, because I, whenever I see someone on the internet struggling, I saw uh, on Facebook, I saw some kid asking some questions, so I just messaged him some answers. They started chatting to me. And then he started saying, have you heard of a magician called Kieran Johnson? And he said, okay, what do you think of his ice drink? So I thought I'd have some fun. They go, yeah, he stole it from me. And i like, oh, I've heard he's a nice guy. Lies. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, just, just messaging him. I was just having too much fun. And then he goes, you look like him. He went, yeah, he stole my look. Like, he went, really? You stole my hand <laughs> Yeah, he stole my look And then I went, no, I'm just joking I am Kieran Johnson and He's like, oh, I'm your biggest fan so, you, troll your, uh, <laughs> you troll yourself on well, the internet My favourite thing is is Sometimes I her questions about Kieran Johnson <laughs> in, the, in the third person In this whole conversation about myself And I even did a whole list of works to this person like was asking loads of questions. They were like, oh, okay. and she, they were doing. Them. It was a mid argument. All my friends looking in, just phoned me and went, "It's hilarious. You're, you you're defending yourself, but she doesn't know it's you <laughs> that you're talking about." She was, oh, you know, I'm a big fan. So, I'm, I don't know. I, cause, cause, people don't know I'm the same person. Sometimes I, <laughs> you know, I write about the stuff.
0: It's a bit weird, I guess. Is it French? Oh. Uh, yeah came up, she came up, her family came over with the Huguenots in the 16th century. What's your kind of favorite thing to do you know we, we've spoken I want to talk about connected and that as you sort of stage um, parlor show in a moment but we've kind of spoken about you as a stage performer we've spoken about you as a lecturer we've spoken about you as a close-up worker What's your kind of favorite way to perform And it's gonna kind of sound very sad. My favorite way to perform is when I'm not
1: performing. <laughs> When I'm just like in the sweet shop and I do something, or when I'm, uh, you know, I, I do magic because it's just naturally going to happen, you know, and I, I do a little thing and I'm not trying to be a magician, I'm just, it's part of me, I think I like that because I guess uh, as a magician I always like the idea that uh, if I was going to be a magician I'd be a Gandalf because... He doesn't do magic, he is magic. And I like that approach to magic. And, that's, and I, I like the idea
0: that magic happens around me rather than magic is something I do. Talk to, I know here at Kendall Calling, in this you hurt in the middle of the night where we are now, but uh, you've done pieces out of your show Connected, which has got a, a narrative, a message behind it. T- tell me all about that. I didn't really get to do it yesterday. It was the problem, I'm, I wasn't very happy
1: with my show yesterday because a few things times kept changing so I kept changing things but if you do actually get to see like the show I'm working on in an intimate venue where it all works it's it's basically is a whole show where I connect with the audience. so my whole thing about close-up magic now has been that when I perform a piece of magic I want to connect with the audience and leave them with an impossible souvenir that connects them all and I've been trying to carry that onto stage and tie it all in I think the thing is when you've only got 20 minutes on stage um to do that that was it was hard it was a bit it was i took too much on but um the yeah, hour and a half show i do where the whole theme is connection and building a rapport it, you know i talk about my life talk about my family I, you know i talk about personal things that maybe you shouldn't talk about in the magic show i remember when i was talking to my friend john about things and he's like oh you shouldn't actually talk people don't want to hear sadness also talk about happy times as well but i think what, what I'm trying to do with my magic and how I feel now is more important, more than all, more importantly to me is I am, I'm looking for my relationship with my audience now. I don't, you know, I'm not, trip, the magic is the vehicle, but really what I'm looking for is I'm looking for us to have that moment where we connect, like, you know, when I randomly hug with people. For me, for me it's not about getting the gigs, and, you know, for me, it's literally making... I, you know, making that connection with my audience. I'm, I think that's kind of my goal. But I think at the same time, it's alienating me in some ways where uh, before I could, I would do something snappy and the audience would respond. But the problem is sometimes I'm not, I'm trying to talk and chat. And sometimes people will say, can you not just get on and do the magic? <laughs> so it, it does affect me because I could just produce a lollipop. And they'll be like, oh, but I I guess I'm looking for something deeper. Maybe I'll I'll change my mind. But I think in some ways it can be hard doing it that way. But in other ways it's been really meaningful. Like I met this family from Philadelphia and I've got on really well with them. So when I go to America in October, I've arranged I'm going to spend a few days with them. They're going to show me around Philadelphia. I'm going to do a family performance for them. And they're going to make me homemade Italian food. And, uh, you know, I've been chatting to them lots. So for me that's going to be amazing that i'm going to go to america then i'm going to go to philadelphia
0: and i go spend a few days with a random family i met through yesterday's show uh, regardless of kind of how happy you were with it in in total we were obviously on the bill as well before you and a kid that we used in the audience was a, a lad with autism yes and then obviously during your show you mentioned your autism yes and at the end of the show the mother brought the, the boy up to both of us and kind of said how meaningful it was for him to actually be able to see someone uh, with autism performing. And then also, um, you know, she thanked me for the way that I brought him up and kind of made him a star and, and just kind of showed him that everyone really, really loved him for yeah. coming up and being himself. How amazing is that for you? Yeah, it is amazing. I mean, I mean, I,
1: you know, I, what was really nice is he came back again today. And she loved it just even more today. And she's a a really nice lady. And, you know, again, talking about connections, I gave him my email. I think he's interested in some magic. I'm going to send a few things over, trying to help him if he's interested, you know. Um, I think that is the joy of our job, really, that we meet people and we get to do that. I think sometimes we forget as magicians. We all think it's about the tricks and the reactions. But really, magic is about people. I think that's ultimately... The goal, isn't it? You know, it's not about how good I was or how brilliant I was or how much they screamed. It's about just, you know, having a moment like that. You know, I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought I sucked yesterday. I know you guys sort of didn't, but in my head, I did. I, I knew I could do better. But that kind of make you think. After all that, it does make it meaningful when someone comes up to you and is so, you know, happy. It, you know, I guess I did what I wanted to set out to do. I managed to connect with one person, and I guess that. That was brilliant, really, because I did what I wanted. For, interestingly, I thought I would connect with the birthday person that I wanted to do, and I didn't. I ended up connecting with a little kid and his mum. So is it, I guess you never know where it's going
0: to go, really. Let's kind of sort of finish with yep. a few sort of uh, quickies, I suppose. Um, you've kind of mentioned Malini and a few other people kind of organically during the chat, but who are some other sort of magicians of the past or present that, that are particularly inspiring to you or whose work you admire? I love Hiba
1: Habarau,
0: the uh, bar magician from Chicago.
1: I think he's probably one of the most underrated performers. Um, you know, he's, if you can get gather the tape of him, it is on tape. It might be on DVD now, I guess, or, or viral somewhere. But Hiba Habarawa is an amazing performer. Actually, a lot of his tricks have been republished from the other people's names, but he, he's brilliant. If you can get to watch him, he's great. Also a huge Al Baker fan. I mean, his stuff, I mean, he was, oh, again, not mentioned enough, but so revolutionary. So I like that, I love Tarbell. And then Modern Magicians, I really like what David Stone I mean, and I like Josh J. And I think the the reason I like both I you know, there's lots of other performers I like, but for me, I, I consider them like proper A list magicians, you know, they're really good magicians. And they're both performing my stuff. my, my magic tricks being performed in a Broadway show. It's amazing, you know, to think that a design I made is in a Broadway show, performed by Josh J. And then David Stone's doing my work touring around France. So my favourite magician that's alive and he's, he's one of my all-time heroes, is in Bloom. I've seen him play, I have uh, all these lecture notes, and I think the highlight of my life, and it will always be the highlight, he randomly contacted me, he said, I've just found your work, I never heard of you before, but I randomly stumbled about it, I have now bought everything. He says, what's your dress? And he sends me books with these crazy long inscriptions and in, telling me how inspiring, and I've inspired him. And you're thinking to yourself, This is someone that's inspired me my whole life, and he's writing to me how I inspired him, and that's just, I guess you just, you know, that's the best thing, I guess. I would be happy if I I never did anything else now, that would be enough, I
0: think. For someone either starting in magic or wanting to improve their own personal magic, let's say your products aside, what would be some of the sort of resources you would uh, guide them towards? I think it's difficult because I don't know who you are. How can I tell you
1: what to do? when I don't know who you are. I think you have to look at yourself, and my friend Alan, and I love what he said, you have to do what you like. When you make it all about yourself and what you like, eventually you'll bond because you're being true to yourself. So if you like card magic, do card magic. If you like coin magic, do coin magic. Don't choose a trick because you're gonna get a reaction. Choose the thing you like, because if you love it, the audience will love it enough, you know? You have to be true to yourself. So you have to think, what do you wanna do? You know, it's, it's, you know, I can tell you tricks that get good reactions. And I think that's one of the reasons when you do, maybe, you, you know, when you see a magician in London and then you go and do a gig, and they might go, oh, I've never seen it. You know, your stuff's so different. Because a lot of acts are carbon copies because they're choosing the same tricks because they think that's the tricks they should do. But when, you know, if you choose the tricks you like and you enjoy performing, it doesn't matter what you do. You don't have to be commercial. One of the interesting things that always gets me on about magic is people talk about reset and eye stuff. Oh, it's a lot of work. Well, when you think about how much effort you put in to be a magician, how hard you worked on sleight of hand, how hard you do it. That's the whole point of being a magician is putting effort in. You don't suddenly go, you know what? I'm gonna run a race, but I'm not gonna put much effort in it because I've been training all week. You put maximum effort and I think you have to do whatever it takes to be the best you can be. And if that comes with, some hardship, then that's the whole point. I think, unfortunately, magic is becoming lazy, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude. It is, you know, we're we're entering a point now where things have to be self-working, things have to be, I don't want to do anything. You know, you you don't wake up and go, I want to be a surgeon, but I don't want to do the work. You know, to be a great performer, you have to do it, you know, and you should be thinking about what, how can I, you know,
0: how can I be different? Is that's how magic grows and it's how we share our ideas brilliant answer final question because i need a wee yeah <laughs> it is bedtime i'm, I'm freezing cold as definitely well definitely bedtime i'm shaking i'm cur- currently covered in a sheet like a ghost <laughs> <laughs> it's just kind of the whole of that last question you just slowly pull this sheet <laughs> over your body and you know, there's this is floating head in a yurt Ooh. you look a bit like bleeding gums murphy yeah in your, in your <laughs> oh <laughs> nip slip <laughs> i'm topless i not bleeding murphy Michael Jackson. That isn't Michael Jackson in uh, the Simpsons. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> 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 when he's got I'm, a, on. I'm a builder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm gonna change my final question then. In light of that, uh, what's your favorite ever episode of The Simpsons? Probably the Michael Jackson one. <laughs> Lisa, it's my birthday.
1: Or also any um, Halloween specials? I think my favorite. I, I yeah, I actually think my favorite is a Halloween special, and it's the one with broccoli. Broccoli, the biggest killer. I love that one. We, I need that eats broccoli again and dies. It's a good deficit.
0: Final, final question. What are your kind of hopes and dreams and aims for the for your future?
1: Oh, I don't know. Everyone keeps up being asking me about my entire life. More importantly, the most important thing to me at the moment is my daughter, my son, and my wife. Uh, I don't think, I don't know what my plan is really. I meant to be writing this book. Um, second book so it's only been two years is this the book that you've already sold copies of well that was the first one yes. but then I promised them an extra volume so we're going to be about eight years in by the time I finish the second volume just figure out what what I'm going to do I mean, more importantly I just got to figure out what I want to say because I think that's what I'm realising at the moment I sometimes do these lectures And I'm not being happy because all I'm doing is tricks and not really saying what I want to say. I think that's the thing I need to focus on in the future. Really, it's such a privilege to be a person that people buy stuff off. It's not. It's nice that they buy it, but it's a privilege that they do. And I guess I just got to figure out what what I want to do with that. I, I, you know, I, I don't know, really, in terms of things. I I like how everything's been going. I've enjoyed working with Saturn magic, and um, I just got to figure out what. I have no clue what my plans are that's the t- the truth is I have no idea I've never had an idea I had no idea that I would be here now like you know all those years ago 14 years ago I had no idea I'd be, I never plan anything like that
0: so maybe I should I don't know Kieran funny at times deep and dark I think we could say this podcast was pretty much centre left uh, thank you Mike. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Talking Tricks with Cain and Abel. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast.